working with flyers when you just zone out, you put your music on and you just chat? Well, Excuse me, is this your taxi? <laughs> Never you're ready. Hello, my fellow Allowders, and welcome to episode 9 of You Can't Mistake Their Anthology, the Record Doctor's Girls Aloud commentary podcast with me as your host, Adam Eve, celebrating the rich musical, TV, and stage history of the greatest pop group of all time, Girls Aloud. Last month I sat down with special guest Joe Anderton for part two in our Off The Record series. And I'm just going to say a huge, massive thank you to everybody for all of your lovely comments on that joyous two-parter with Joe. I'm just so glad to see so many of you got such a kick out of hearing all of the quotes from the docuseries in the episode, which then resulted in many of you giving the series another rewatch, which is always lovely. Anyway, thank you all very, very much. It has been a good hot minute since the last album episode of the pod. Episode 7 and 8, of course, covered off the record, while episode 6 saw me interview the incredible Paul West from Form Graphic Design in the UK, who many of you will of course know as one of the visual masterminds behind the What Will the Neighbours Say and Chemistry Era aesthetics and artworks. So it's been really quite a visual three months on Anthology Just Gone, but thankfully... I've got quite the double whammy prepared for episode 9 as I get ready to yammer on about Girls Aloud's first ever Greatest Hits collection, 2006's The Sound of Girls Aloud. A two CD set featuring all of their singles with perhaps their worst artwork for an album to date at this point, and I think overall in general. This Two CD set featuring all of their singles, plus three new songs, something kind of ooh, I think we're alone now, and money. With a second disc boasting a good chunk of previously unreleased material and alternate versions of allowed songs that we'd already known and loved. But that's not all, my friends. No, no, you see, the girls' first single to follow up this Greatest Hits 2 single run at the end of 2006 was the 2007 duet with the Sugar Babes, version 3.0, a cover of the Aerosmith and Run DMC classic, Walk This Way. Seeing as the song really just doesn't deserve its own episode, I mean, even the remix they gave us for it is not great. I've tacked it onto the end of the Greatest Hits era and look, thankfully there's much better stuff one after the other of two killer discs to get through before we even circle back to walk this way. <laughs> However, I am once again not alone in the virtual studio. Joining me this month, and for the second time as a guest on You Can't Mistake Their Anthology, please give a very warm returning welcome to the iconic Ed Pitts, live and direct from Melbourne, Victoria. Hello, my lovely. How are you? I'm so excited and grateful to be brought back to discuss my favourite pop group with one of my favourite people. I am feeling like a gift wrap kitty cat here. Oh, I love that. Well, it's so lovely to have you back. It's always a pleasure chatting girls aloud with you. And this is going to be quite the interesting one for us to dig our heels into, so to speak. Now... The girls' first ever Greatest Hits collection is what we're talking about. And it would be 
very silly of me to not mention the press release that came out just before this greatest hits entered our world. So this press release went out and it is hands down the single greatest piece of writing I have ever, ever read from the world of not just pop music, but maybe in general ever. So I'm going to read it out for you before we get into the review. And the reason why I say it would be silly of me not to mention this is because a single line in this press release is what actually inspired the name of this podcast. So, quote, They call it manufactured pop as if that was something to be ashamed of, but we are a manufacturing country. Down our conveyor belts come cars and shoes and biscuits and guns and pop bands. Useful things and beautiful things. Things that make us go faster and things that make us feel like we are going faster. Things that we love passionately for a day and then throw away. And things that we love passionately for a day and then keep forever. Being able to plan for and make our necessary things instead of relying on accidents or nature to supply them is one of the first signs that a society has achieved civilization. And what could be more necessary than pop? What else should we aim to pump out in such greedy, thrilling, giddying amounts? The factory is a democratic place. Sometimes the people working on the floor come cruising in on a Monday morning, still wearing Saturday night's makeup and Sunday morning smile and say, sod this. They pull off their hairnets and jump on the conveyor belt themselves. They announce that they are pop stars now. They make a band. That's allowed in the factory because we are a manufacturing country. And that means we are also allowed to manufacture ourselves. We are allowed to change our futures. We are Girls Aloud. And in the band we manufacture, we don't have to smile if we don't want to. We won't have dance routines that ruin our hair. And we don't sing songs where we pretend that we're scared or that we can't run in our heels or that we just don't know exactly what we want. We don't need no beauty sleep. We think you're off your head. We text as we eat. We flirt while we work. We flick our finger at the world below. If we'd known or if we'd cared, we would have stood around in the kitchen in our underwear. When Jack Kerouac wrote On the Road in 1957, he said the people that he loved the most were like the fabulous yellow Roman candles who were mad to live, mad to talk. We saw it on a t-shirt once. But anyone who was mad to live wouldn't want to be a Roman candle. Roman candles are the rubbish ones. They're over in 30 seconds. They don't even spin or fly. If we were a firework, we'd be a limousine full of dynamite. And we'd put the fire out with vodka, if we could be bothered. If you know someone who sounds like us, we'll give you a tenner. If you like someone better than us, frankly, we don't care. We're girls allowed. We're made in Britain. You can't mistake our anthology, The Sound of Girls Aloud, out October 30th, 2006, end quote. I don't know what to say. I, I've actually never heard that before. And I just, yeah, I, whoever wrote that deserves a, a bloody good pay rise. Oh, it's just, it's the one piece of pop writing that I will mention anytime I can. Like it, it's single-handedly, as I said at the start, the best piece of pop writing 
you know, I'm, I'm a copywriter for a living and I've mm. written press releases in my day. And as a writer and as a company, you always write these safe things that are right. done a certain style. There's a template. So to do something that groundbreaking, I mean, is such a testament to the girls, their careers in general. Okay, so let me run through how this episode's going to work because I've kind of bastardized the running order just for story's sake. So first up, there are 12 UK top 10 singles to talk about, beginning with Sound of the Underground through to Whole Lot of History. And then we'll talk about the era's new songs, something kind of ooh, money, and I think we're alone now. And yes, we'll be talking about the videos for those two and the remixes. Then we'll get stuck into the meat of this collection, which is, of course, the unreleased rarities and alternate versions on disc two. And wrapping up with some comic relief, I guess you could say, by way of Walk This Way. So uh, I think it's time for me to heat it up. It's time for the Doctor to heat it up. Released on the 23rd of October, 2006, Girls Aloud's first ever greatest hits collection, The Sound of Girls Aloud, came as both a regular edition and a limited deluxe one. A greatest hits that, of its three new songs, would see two single releases and a bonus disc of stuff that we'd either been wanting to hear released for ages or just straight up had no idea even existed until that day. I'm very excited about getting stuck into those new and rare pieces of the puzzle, but I do have to wind the clock back to 2002 before even think about 2006. (laughs) So on episode two of the podcast, I was joined by my very good friend Craig for a discussion around the girl's debut album, Sound of the Underground. So you've already heard me wax lyrical and then some on their debut era's singles. That is, of course, December 16, 2002 release, Sound of the Underground. May 12, 2003's No Good Advice. August 18, 2003 release, Life Got Cold. And Pointer Sisters cover Jump, which saw a single release on November 13, 2003, as part of the soundtrack and promotional campaign for the movie Love Actually. With all of my previous thoughts and opinions in mind as we properly kick off the episode Deep Dive, I'd like to open the floor immediately to my special guest this month, Ed. Oh my good sir, please, can you talk me through your thoughts then and now of the girl's 2002 debut single, Sound of the Underground? Sure can. I mean, this is the blueprint of debut songs. I loved it then, I love it now. It's a little bit 60s, it's a little bit 80s, it's a little bit now, and it could be a hit on radio in 2022. Right, exactly. And I mentioned in the Sound of the Underground episode that bears a lot of resemblance to um, Josh Abraham's and Armiel or Pure Tone's Addicted to Bass, which, funnily enough, Miranda was listening to quite a lot of before the songwriting of this track. Is that so, so? Yeah, so 
it's interesting that there's that little connection too, because that track was so groundbreaking in the sense that it just escalated how quickly it crossed over into the mainstream, even though this was like a big fat drum and bass track, just with a pop structure over the top of it. It was something very, very important for that type of music as well, because then more stuff started to cross over that sounded more like it afterwards. But yeah, Sound of the Underground and Addicted to Bass, distant cousins, definitely. Yeah, I can hear it. I like it. And I think as well, you know, Sound of the Underground is so special for being the the TV formulation pop song that broke the rules. Literally the exception to the rule because there was no pop song from a reality show before this like it and there never would be after it either. Totally agree. And what about that video? Oh, I just think so camp, so hot, did the job pretty well at establishing who these girls were immediately and just a joy to watch. Seeing especially that they'd immediately harness that pop star power with the performance in that video and this was their first song, their first video. They'd been a band only for, you know, less than a red hot minute. And they were presenting us with this quality of video, of song, of presence. As someone who um, missed Popstar's arrivals just because it wasn't on in Australia and I, I couldn't find it, I felt like I knew who they were in their individual personalities from pretty much the first moment of seeing them and hearing them. That's another interesting thing for us as Australian consumers of Girls Aloud is that nine times out of ten, most of us have come to them from the music standpoint and have found out afterwards that they were from a reality series. There was really no information around that because there was really not much information around Girls Aloud in the country. So all of us were coming at it by finding a song or hearing something or seeing something on Pop Justice that mentioned one of their songs and then diving further. And organically, that's how a lot of fans, I think, came to the girls from Australia and countries like America as well, because I know they have quite a cult following in the States as well, judging by all the people that message me from America as well, who say that they can empathise with how we feel as Australian fans of the girls, because they have it very similar in America as well. For sure. And as you pointed out, I mean, Pop Justice was my personality for about five years there. Oh, it's, same. It gave me so much of what I love in pop music now. Same, same. I mean, I came out of hospital after having life-saving lung surgery at the start of 2005. And Pop Justice was my way of coming back into the pop world after being away from it for so many years because I was in the rave scene in Melbourne and I was writing for a couple of the dance publications and doing interviews with the, the dance artists and stuff like that. So I was very much submerged in that world. And then I had all this downtime to basically just heal and recover and pop justice and rediscovering pop music and Girls Aloud were a big, big part of that recovery. And of course, 2005 was the year that we ended up with chemistry and confessions on a dance floor. What a time to be a gay man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and was, uh, Rachel Stevens was around there as well, wasn't she? 
Oh yes, Rachel Stevens Come and yeah. Get It. I think was two thousand and five. Also, actually, peaking at number one in the UK, Scotland, and Ireland. Sound of the Underground will also go on to chart locally on the Australian Aria Singles Chart at number thirty-one. Single number two, of course, was No Good Advice. Absolute banger, Ed. Absolutely. I, a controversial take, but I actually prefer this to Sound of the Underground. It was the first time I really paid attention to the lyrics. Um, I felt like there was a cohesion between the two songs already, so I felt like they'd be thinking about the big picture, but it's also a classic in its own right. The only thing I don't like about the song is that it missed number one. Right, it did. What do you think of the video? Because I know the girls hate it. Oh, look... Girls Aloud are not famous for their videos. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's not my favourite. It's Yeah, actually, I'm just going to leave it at that. It's not my favourite. <laughs> yeah, I know that the girls hated the styling, particularly on that video, because of those silver space outfits. But I love it. And I've even got the 12-inch um, single with where the girls are wearing the red. And they hated the styling for the single artwork as well. So all round just didn't like the visual element. Yeah, it felt like they were so willing to go all in on the songwriting and the promotion and everything, but the videos was the one thing they seemed to hold back on. It's so strange. Peaking at number two in the UK, Scotland and Ireland, No Good Advice also charted here in Australia with a very miserable peak on the ARIA singles chart of number 88. The girls' third single would see them release the obligatory ballad, a ballad which would retroactively give Noel Gallagher a songwriting credit on it due to its similarities to a riff. I'm, of course, talking about Life Got Cold. I tend to find that fans are a bit divided about this one. So what are your thoughts on the first ever allowed ballad? I never really loved Life Got Cold. Um, I thought after the first two songs, which was so unique, that it was a little bit generic. And there was that Wonderwall sample, which I, I've never really been a massive Wonderwall fan. Uh, so it's a no from me. Um, and I didn't really think they nailed their first ballad. What did you think? I actually really like it, but I think it's also because it's performed really, really well live, especially on the 10 tour when Nadine's sitting on the on the steps and it looks like she's putting her mingle, middle finger up at everyone. Um, so that's a great memory from Life Got Cold. But I, I do really like the song. I think that I understand what they were trying to do, sort of like soften things a bit after two very loud and noisy singles. But it's no whole lot of history, which we'll get to in a little bit. Oh, we'll get to. Life Got Cold peaked at number two in both Scotland and Ireland, number three in the UK, and number nothing in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, it's Jump. Another polarising one with the fan base, Ed. Uh, I love this. What do you think of Jump? I'm totally with you. I'm glad you agree with me on this. I think it's an absolute classic. I mean, this song is uncoverable, but they killed it and they put it on a cool film, Love Actually. Um, and the last 10 seconds, I still think is one of, is one of the best moments of their whole career. Oh, right. Just such an eargasm that those final 10 seconds... Absolutely. And what I love most about it is, like like you said, this song is just so uncoverable. And not only did they cover it, but now it is my favourite version of the song and, like, the one that I see as the definitive version of it. 
to the point that when I hear the Pointer Sisters version now, it feels very foreign to me. It feels weird. <laughs> like that they it does. Watch, like that that's the cover and the girls allowed once the original almost like it's very strange i'm totally with you it feels like an idol cover or a karaoke night or something like that (laughs) (laughs) girls allowed's definitive version of jump peaked at number two in the uk ireland and scotland number 13 in new zealand and number 23 here on the aussie arega singles chart which would remain their best effort on the Australian charts. Circling things back to episode three of the podcast, covering the What Will the Neighbours Say era, that's actually Ed and I's last episode of the pod, so naturally I'm going to just hammer through the chart stats for that era singles, because you've literally already heard our thoughts on them. I'm talking, of course, about June 28, 2004 release, The Show, which peaked at number one in Scotland, number two in the UK, number five in Ireland, and number 67 here in Australia, just two years after its UK release. September 14 release, Love Machine, which peaked at number two in the UK and Scotland, number nine in Ireland, and number 50 in Romania. November 15, 2004, Children in Need release and Pretenders cover, I'll Stand By You, which peaked at number one in both the UK and Scotland, number three in Ireland, and number five on the European Eurochart Hot 100. And of course, the absolute genius of February 21, 2005 release, Wake Me Up, which peaked at number four in both the UK and Scotland, number six in Ireland, and number 13 on the Eurochart Hot 100. Episode four of You Can't Mistake Their Anthology saw me joined by special guest and real-life BFF Benatar for the chemistry era. So if you want to hear my very detailed thoughts on each of its singles, do check out episode four when you can. Those singles being, of course, August 22, 2005 release, Long Hot Summer. November 14, 2005 release, Biology. December 19, 2005 release and cover, See the Day. And March 13, 2006's Whole Lot of History. 
Ed, as is the case for myself and many people listening, I know this is understandably one of your favourite pop eras too, correct? Yeah, I think chemistry is is really where they hit their strides. I felt like there was a massive elevation of deep cuts and album tracks that there wasn't in maybe the first two albums. And it was so good that... It, It's pretty ambitious for a band to release the greatest hits after three albums, but I can see after listening to Chemistry why they did that. Right, right. And it's also worth noting that everybody was kind of writing them off at this point as well because the greatest hits was out. They were like, well, the inevitable is happening. They're going to split up. And little did everyone know that they had two more albums up their sleeve that they were going to knock us over the head with. (laughs) All right, so... Let's do a speed round, Ed. Thoughts on Long Hot Summer? I think it's severely underrated by the fandom. It kind of harps back to the original singles. And I think that might be why people negatively perceive it. Like they might have seen it as a regression, a step back. But I just think it's just awesome fun. Right, right. I think so too. I thought it was great at the time and I still think it is now. I guess a lot of the backlash might also stem from the fact that Brian went on record many years ago saying that it was his least favourite single. I don't think it deserves that much crap. I totally agree. I think he's he's jaded by his experiences writing it, not by the actual song itself, in my humble opinion. Bingo, bingo, you got it in one. Long Hot Summer peaked at number seven in the UK, number 13 in Scotland, and number 16 in Ireland. The speed round continues. Ed, now, this one is the one I'm excited to hear you talk about the most. Your thoughts on biology? I mean, this is the GOAT. It's one of the best pop songs ever made. And even our friend Chris Martin from Coldplay agrees. I think he said something along those lines. Right, and I agree with him too. I know a lot of people in the fan base herald Call the Shots as their favourite single, but to this day, for me, it's still biology. Absolutely. I think there's a, the fact that there's three songs in one makes it even more special. And it gave us the clock dance, which is the only dance move I've ever learned in my whole life. Right. And on that topic of very cheap Girls Aloud videos, this one is particularly cheap, but it is also my favourite Girls Aloud video and one of my favourite music videos, because even the fact that they are just not even synchronized with their dancing and they don't care about it either. That whole music video is a fever dream of pure magic. Nothing else could have fit that song best. It's just, oh, chef's kiss. And the special effects where they switch outfits. I mean, James Cameron, James Cameron would be shaking in his boots when he saw that. (laughs) Look out. Biology Peter, number three in Scotland, number four in the UK, number seven in Ireland, and number 26 here on Australia's ARIA singles chart. So, Ed, it's, it's time we talked about See the Day. There's a little part of me that hope that wishes this uh, song never saw the light of day. But um, <laughs> look, I actually got a bit nervous when I heard this because I felt like there was starting to be a formula that they were releasing a cover every couple of songs and it was verging on kind of Atomic Kitten territory. Right. But, uh, I mean, look, it's not bad. It's just not really what I wanted from them. What about you? So I guess this goes back to what we were talking about in regards to Jump, except Jump is the much superior cover in the sense that when it came to Girls Loud doing covers, I never really had a problem with them. My only issue with the covers were when they were released as singles, when there was something 
original that should have been released that was much better. Like, for example, maybe third single should have been Whole Lot of History, and then fourth and final single from the album should have been Models, which was even the theme song for Off the Record. I mean, we got something close to a music video on the 10 tour when there was the little minute and a bit of a Models video done, but... I will forever sing about that song needing justice. Should have been a single, would have had an amazing video, very much a missed opportunity. And there was no way that them enhancing the Christmas bells on See the Day was going to give them a Christmas number one, especially, and I said this on the chemistry episode, especially when they had an entire disc of almost all original Christmas songs that they could have released to try and get the Christmas number one with an actual Christmas song that was better than See the Day. So this song is great in the sense that I I definitely don't skip it and I do listen to it. I seek it out to listen to it. But should it have been a single? Oh, absolutely not. Totally. I think the, the formula would have been banger, banger, ballad which should have been Hall of History. And then I'm going to say Wild Horses, but I also love models. Like, get adventurous with your fourth single. The Girls DC League cover would peak at number eight in Scotland, number nine in the UK, and number 14 in Ireland. And then, of course, there's a whole lot of history. Uh, Ed, you love this. I'm such a whole lot of history, Stan. I think it's the first time they absolutely nailed a ballad. It's so sublime and it's aged so well. It's it's probably in my top 10 Girls Aloud songs. And what a beautiful, beautiful video as well. Just so, so wonderfully shot. Obviously, my favourite scene was always Sarah's at the end, walking along the, the water. And now it's just even more so, you know, what a video and what a song. Gorgeous. And special shout out to the ending. The, and it keeps me spinning and controls what happens till Monday, till Monday. Just lush. Oh, and also uh, would be stupid of me not to mention the incredibly banging Tony Lamesma remix of this. Absolute thumper. Oh, anyway, a whole lot of history peaked at number two in Scotland, number six in the UK, and number 18 in Ireland. On October the 23rd, 2006, Girls Aloud released the mind-blowingly iconic and timeless banger, Something Kinda Ooh, kicking off the Sound of Girls Aloud Greatest Hits era with ferocious perms and a true pop thumper, unlike any other they'd made prior. To this day, this banger still blows my socks off and sees Girls Aloud venture into full-blown Eurodance mode with touches of Motivate. Now, the story behind this one is that Xenomania were asked to put together a single to launch the Greatest Hits era, and the first track they actually wrote was Dog Without a Bone, which, as we all know, would end up as a B-side on Call the Shots years later. Then the brief was kind of updated to being something along the lines of George Michael's Too Funky. It's believed that Something Kinda Ooh was one of five songs to fulfil said brief. And thank God for it, because bloody hell, what a ripper. 
Oh, it's utter perfection. And I love the Motivate shout out. Like I do feel a little bit of like a rockin' for myself kind of Euro trash. I can't explain why, but I think it's the most girls allowed song ever. It's just chaotic, ridiculous and perfect. Right. I do love the Motivate thing as well because obviously, and this is a big reason why I love the Tony LaMesma remix of the Girls Allowed tracks is because Tony LaMesma was very much a cheeky little nod and a wink to the remixes of Motivate, which it just made sense for the girls to actually venture into that world at some point as a main single instead of just a remix. And yet something kind of all was the perfect way to do it. And how special that we get such an amazing song for the greatest hits. It's not just some thrown on number. It's one of their best songs. Period. Like a level of like when Madonna released Justify My Love as the the new song from the Immaculate Collection. And obviously Rescue Me, which is my favourite Madonna song of all time, but that's for another podcast at another time. I'll see you next week for that one. On the topic of Ooh, we should probably address the fiasco behind one of the song's lyrics. Now, many of us, including myself, thought upon release that the lyric was jumping on my tutu, but it is actually, and rather depressingly, jumping on my toot toot. And look, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure that I've ever made peace with that fact. <laughs> You've actually blown my mind. I had no idea that it's that. I, I, oh, I think I'm no. going to stick with Tutu. I think Girls Aloud lyrics are like a beautiful choose-your-own-adventure where you can just interpret them the way you want. Right, right. Well, when we get to Tangled Up, there will be the discussion around my misheard lyric from Nadine, which the original lyric is, and your manner made my animal kick. But the way Nadine sings it, it sounds like she's saying, and your nana made my enema kick. Which is all I have ever heard. <laughs> oh, poor granny's tangled up. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Oh, something kind of ooh, was really such an exciting club rock thumper that still sounds as fresh and exciting today as it did back then. The song is so good that every single member of the group is given their own iconic moment throughout. And a special shout out to Kimber, of course, for that saucy middle eight. On top of the song being a bloody corker, the track came with some absolute killer remixes. The first by Tube City. Then it's the Freezer remix. The Co-Stars mix. The absolutely ball-tearingly nuts Flip and Fill remix. And my very favourite Girls Aloud remix of all time, the Tony LaMesma remix of Something Kinda Ooh. And then there's...
there's that video. With its $4 budget that all went on the girls' perms, it's absolutely cheap and makes a Drag Race green screen challenge look like Star Wars. But it's nonetheless one of my favourite Girls Aloud videos ever. Directed by Stuart Gosling with a premiere date of September 30, 2006, the girls have since all expressed this is one of their least favourites, blaming a lack of time for how the video turned out. Talking to MTV, Cheryl actually elaborated on that a bit further, saying the final video is not at all what the girls had wanted it to be. I mean, and it shows. I mean, look, Girls Aloud are not famous for their videos, but I think because of the cheesiness and the Euro trashiness of the song, I think it kind of works with the video. And look, they've got a perm. What more could you want? Sarah Harding with a perm is perfection. Thank you. Exactly. That's all we needed. So, look, I can understand why the girls probably wouldn't like it, but God, I wouldn't have it any other way. For sure. The video clip could have been a black screen and it's, it's fine. It's that song. Well, Something Kind of All was written by Miranda Cooper, Brian Higgins, Tim Powell, Nick Kohler, Giselle Somerville and Jodie Lee and peaked at number two in Scotland, number three in the UK, number seven in Ireland and number 40 in Slovakia. Up next, it's money. At the time, I didn't think this, but in hindsight, I have no idea why they would have made I Think We're Alone Now the era's second single when the absolutely delightful and batshit insane money was sitting right there. I mean, first of all, the I Think We're Alone Now video, which we will get to in a bit, makes absolutely no sense in the context of the song's lyrics, but the lyrics to money are absolutely seamless. Money was made to be an insane Girls Aloud single with a cheeky video set in a casino heist. Not I Think We're Alone Now. <laughs> uh, the song is just unapologetically nuts. Xenomania literally throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, into its production. An absolute dynamite pop song that, like I said, I didn't like when it first came out. But it's got one incredible lyric after the other, and I especially love Nadine's Just Broken of the Mirror. This encapsulates everything that we love about bonkers girls aloud in 4 minutes and 15 seconds flat. I do suspect, however, that its insanity was just too powerful for the masses. Truly light years ahead of its time, and even so for me when it first came out. Oh, look, I must have been feeling my mainstream hetero oats because I hated this song when it came out. I didn't get it, and I hated the intro. It's so painful. But as the years have gone on, I like I appreciate the percussion. I love the horns. It's you know, a little bit 60s, kind of almost leads into the promise, kind of. Mm, yeah, look, I agree with you. The intro is definitely the worst part of the song. It's grating. <laughs> oh, well, sadly, like I said, it was not a single. But Money was written by Miranda Cooper, Brian Higgins, Tim Powell, Nick Kohler and Lisa Cowley. Single number two would end up being the Tommy James and the Shondells cover of I Think We're Alone Now. So let's hear that original first. Ground, 
And of course, Tiffany's denim 80s more fantasy with her massive cover of it from 1987. Now let's hear the original album version of Girls Alouds, I Think We're Alone Now. Interestingly, the track would have vocals re-recorded by the girls and there was even some line swappage for a very noisy single mix that I have just never been able to make peace with, sadly. I know that you uh, have opposite to say on that. (laughs) Oh, I'm such a big fan of this cover. I think partially because I wasn't really familiar with the originals or the several originals. Yes. Um, But I just, it's so cheesy and it's so joyous. It just takes me back to a moment in time. So there's definitely like a nostalgic value to it for me. Mm -hmm. Now I am definitely team album version because of the cheesy high energy pop of it all. It just sits so well with me and is so danceable and, that single version, it's just, it's its a loud racket. But I know that you think that, that loud racket is quite good. I, I, I really like the album version, but I also really love the remix. I feel like, you know, something kind of ooh was a bit grittier and grimier. And I think we're alone now, sort of like they've taken the clean version. They should have gone with the remix. Right. Okay. I, I think I can understand that. I guess the album version of I Think We're Alone Now really connects to the Eurodance element of something kind of ooh, but the single version of I Think We're Alone Now with this new noisier remix connects better to the guitar rockier element of something kind of ooh. Well said. Yeah. Perfectly said. I can see a case for both, but probably in your case, a case for neither, right? Oh, no, I'm always a case for the Eurodance cheesy version. I love it. (laughs) I I do love this song and I do love that it was a single just because it gave us some really, really great remixes. But we'll get to that in a moment. I I don't actually have a problem with the song at all. I I just wish that Money had been the second single here instead of it. Or, you know, we could have had all three as a single. Like, why not? Uh, Totally. And I think you're right. It's like they bought the concept for the video before they decided what the single was. <laughs> oh, God. Well, anyway, the song did have a video that was directed by Nick Collette and Alex Hemming that had three different endings, which were also filmed for it. One where all the girls get t- tied up. The second with Kimberly dropping her robe to make the casino managers faint on the spot at the sight of her naked body. And the third being of all five girls victoriously playing with the money that they had just stolen. It was then put to customers of Three Mobile in the UK to vote on their favourite ending. I feel like Gretel Colleen or Davina McCall. (laughs) And the one with all of the girls celebrating and playing with their stolen cash would actually go on to win even though the version uploaded to the internet ended up being the Kimber derobing version. <laughs> but look, anyway, all three are on YouTube in very terrible quality, but you'll get the idea if you want to see them. As I touched on earlier, one thing I think Rolo now did very, very correctly was, of course, the remixes. First up, it's the alternative mix.
Then the co-stars epic club mix. Up next, not his best, but I must say, still an absolute banger, the Tony Lamezma Bobbletastic mix. My current favourite remix of this track, it's the Uniting Nations remix. This is an absolute banger. I totally love it as well. Do you know that cover of Just Keep Walking by Party One, the Australian group? Yeah, 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 versus In Excess. Yeah, it kind of gave me that vibe and then like a little bit of a remix of Hung Up or something. I love yeah, it. You know, I'm not yeah. big on a remix, but this delivered. Definitely, definitely. And speaking of bangers, finally, it's the Heart Racing Flip and Feel remix. <laughs> Straight up Euro trash. I'm going to give it a tech no. Oh, I love a good flip and fill remix. It's very, very British. <laughs> it's uh, very, very fast and very, very cheesy. I love it. The cheesier, the better. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not my cover, but my enduring love for this song remains. I think we're alone now. Peaked at number three in Scotland, number four in the UK, and number 11 in Ireland. Also charting at number 15 on the Eurochart Hot 100. As we move on to disc two, it's time we checked out another cover version from the girls. Let's take a listen to a snippet of the original. I'm in the fumble, yes, it is, of course, Girls Aloud's cover of the Blondie classic, Hanging on the Telephone. Now let's hear theirs. I'm in the phone booth, it's a water across the hall. If you don't answer, I'll just ring it off the wall. I know it's there, but I just gotta call. Look, this is fine. Again, I don't really have issue with Girls Aloud's covers, and I quite like the fact that we have this random cover from them, one of the greatest pop groups of all time, being covered by the greatest pop group of all time. It's genius, but not. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I just think, you know, when we get to the 10 compilation, we can see how many amazing tracks never made singles or albums. So I just sort of wonder why there are so many covers in the mix. Right, right. But it's perfectly fine. I love listening to it. Mm, mm, yeah, definitely. Well, Loving is Easy is up next. Can't explain how I'm feeling. So confused, never felt so alone. I discussed this with the BBC's Mark Savage for the B-Sides episode of the podcast, but I do have to ask you, Ed, what you make of this tender ballad. It's beautiful, but it's a bit bland, and it's not for me, unfortunately. Yeah, look, I, I do quite like it. I think it gave Kimber a chance to shine in a ballad setting, and I guess the reason why it was so beloved by fans was that because it was actually only previously made available as a B-side on the 7-inch vinyl picture disc single of Wake Me Up. So there was no official digital version of this track anywhere. Everyone that had a copy of it to listen to it, like on their iPods or on their computers or whatever, they had to make an analog copy of this track. So the greatest hits was the first time that it would appear 
Originally recorded for the Chemistry album and discussed in an early Chemistry era interview with the girls as one of the tracks playing in the background of the photo shoot, it's the brilliant Singapore. Now this we can agree on. This is a classic deep cut. The, it's, I mean, it has no right being this good. It's a song called Singapore. Who calls a pop song Singapore? Um, but I believe, Adam, you have a special story about Singapore. Well, yeah. I mean, the absolute joy I felt walking the streets of Singapore at night with Singapore by Girls Aloud playing in my headphones after I'd just seen their very last ever show for the 10 tour in 2013 in the UK. I mean, that feeling of joy is unmatched. And... This song is just lush. I mean, I still think this could have easily been a single from any era as well. Chemistry, Sound of Girls Aloud, Tangled Up, any of it. And although it may not have received an official video, the track does actually have a great fan-made one that is purely created using Jelly Baby lollies. It's an absolute triumph and... As far as I'm concerned, it is the official video to Singapore. So good. I just wish it was on streaming because it's the sort of thing I'd like to sneak into playlists for my straight friends to, you know, to ease them into Girls Aloud. Right. I, I wonder if this is available on streaming in the UK because I know that they have so much more stuff on Spotify than we do of these artists. I know that I'm pretty sure that all of the singles for Girls Aloud are up individually on Spotify in the UK and we just don't have access to them. Same thing with Rachel Stevens, come and get it. Well, what goes up must come down. Up next, it's One True Voice's Sacred Trust as covered by the girls. Let's hear a snippet of that OTV original to remind you of that first. Sorry to do that to you. And now, of course, Girls Aloud's version. Look, I'm glad we have it because Girls Aloud, and I wouldn't skip it if it came on shuffle because Girls Aloud, but I wouldn't seek it out myself to listen to because one true voice. <laughs> Totally. Look, I, the one positive thing I will say about this song is I think it's kind of really cool and meta that they covered One True Voice's debut song. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of almost shady saying this is what we could have, we could have, this is what we could have done. This is how it could have gone wrong. <laughs> right, right. It would have been a very, very different path if that had been the single they'd gone with. Totally. We would not be having a whole lot of history with the girls. <laughs> there wouldn't be a podcast either. <laughs> <laughs> the album features two live performances, the first being a cover of the Kaiser Chiefs track I Predict a Riot and chemistry single Biology, both live at Wembley. Now, quite peculiarly, because of their younger audience, Girls Aloud actually changed a lyric in the track for their live performance on the Chemistry Tour. So here's the original Kaiser Chiefs lyric. Girls drive around with no clothes on. Two bottles of pound for a condom. They 
And here's the girls aloud. Girls travel around with no clothes on to borrow a pound for the bus. Home if it wasn't for two. From borrowing a pound for a condom to borrowing a pound for the bus home. And of course, they make Paul Kimber be the one to sing it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why they did it. It's a bit awkward, but yeah, it needed probably needed to be done, really. <laughs> Certainly from a practicality standpoint. <laughs> And finally, the extended performance version of Sound of the Underground, which you all know is my choice for the definitive version of this track, complete with that iconic breakdown that's just way bigger than the breakdown in the single version. Let's hear a snippet of that. Parental guidance, shut your mouth because your shit might show version of no good advice, aka another definitive version in my opinion. And the very fascinating original demo version of Wake Me Up from Cheryl's Easy Tiger What's Been Going On to Sarah's bright alternate lyrical moment. I love the original, but I do really, really also love this and am very grateful that we have this version. It's so, so cool. Now, Ed, how interesting is it to hear that Wake Me Up demo? Yeah, look, maybe it's because I'm used to the old one, um, but I don't really like the way that they do the inflections um, during the verses. But obviously it's such a chorus-heavy song that I don't think it really affects it too much. Right, and definitely also the starting point of where the song would be and would eventually grow into the monster that we know now. But it's always fascinating to hear, I guess, where that middle that middle point process is of the demo. But yeah, definitely always really, really fascinating to hear where the song originally came from, I guess, to so, so to speak, or the middle point of it, which I guess is, you know, for point one is the idea and then point two is the first demo or one of the demos. As we know, there's usually a couple of demos, but this is the one that we have. And I'm glad that we have it. Although, give me the original Wake Me Up any day, obviously. For sure. I always appreciate, as you said, going back and hearing how the song started in the process. And, you know, it's a little treat for the fans. Certified platinum in Ireland with over 15,000 sales. Four times platinum in the UK with 1.2 million sales. And certified platinum once over in Europe. The Sound of Girls Aloud would peak at number one on both the UK and Scottish albums charts, as well as peaking at number nine in Ireland. The Greatest Hits collection would also find itself as the 16th biggest selling album in the UK for 2006, re-emerging as many Greatest Hits collections often do in 2009, where it charted once more at number 72 on that year-end UK albums chart. Truly iconic. Absolutely. And it's, I think what's most amazing about this is the first three albums were certified platinum or double platinum, whereas this, it sold over a million copies, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. Right. The, and even and to think that it not only did it sell over a million copies, but it sold over a million copies with that hideous artwork. <laughs> I think 1.2 million people had to go out and just see how bad it was for themselves. 
One's white, the other one's pink. <laughs> the image <laughs> is the same terrible. shit. <laughs> 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 and also, you will notice that we haven't actually talked about the packaged DVD, the Sound of Girls Loud, the Greatest Hits tour, because that was actually the chemistry tour, which I talked about with Ben on episode four. That's why that hasn't been mentioned. But now that we're done with the Sound of Girls Loud, up next, it's the podcast bonus round for Walk This Way. Oh, you've been warned. Oh, I feel like we should have just cut it early. <laughs> <laughs> Originally by Aerosmith. Then popularised in the rap world by Run DMC with Aerosmith. Released on March the 12th, 2007 as a charity single for comic relief, the long-awaited duet between Girls Aloud and the Sugar Babes should have been explosive. And here's the thing, Ed, it almost was. Because before settling on Walk This Way, the girls had originally toyed with the idea of covering, get this, either Blur's Girls and Boys, which would have been iconic, or Candy Statton's You've Got the Love, which also, I mean, iconic. I mean, there are no wrong answers here except for Walk This Way. (laughs) Like... We've seen You've Got the Love was covered by Florence and the Machine, who absolutely killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think a Blur song would have been really, like it would have had that sort of cool indie sort of thing they had going on with like I Pretty to Right and Arctic Monkeys covering them. And it was all just, yeah, that would have been a great direction as well. Uh, it would have been perfect. And look, unfortunately, in the end, they decided on neither of those. They decided not to be iconic, and they went with the Run DMC rerub of Walk This Way instead. Now, what can I say about this track? Well, while I think of what to say, here's a snippet of the demo. And a snippet of the final single version. Then, last and certainly least, the fairly rubbish Yoad mix. Now, I know you're not a fan of the cover, but I'd love to know of the three, which is your go-to? Oh, probably the original, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I know this. I know this was song was for charity, but they're lucky their careers weren't the charity after this. It is horrific, and especially two such iconic bands. Right. I mean, it's just oh, it's hard to explain. I mean, so this was produced by Dallas Austin, who legendary producer. But Walk This Way would become the first Girls Aloud single not to feature production from Xenomania, and it certainly shows, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a watch out. This song was really interesting for me because I was always a massive Sugar Babes fan. In fact, I'd say I was a bigger fan of them at the start, and I feel like this is like them passing the baton. You know, Sugar Babes are kind of going into the sort of change era, 
and girls allowed were coming into chemistry and tangle up, which is their imperial phase. Right. And this is where I became girls allowed with my all time favorite band. I mean, not the with this song, obviously, but no. <laughs> well, I mean, look, even with a video starring Davina McCall, Ruby Wax, and Graham Norton with comical cameo guest appearances, the cover is just, it, it's fine. I mean, again, I wouldn't skip it if it came up on shuffle, but also who of us really does go seek this out of our own free will in the first place? Totally. I mean, even the fact that there was eight girls, it was always going to be a struggle to sort of fit them all in and their personas and their even just the lyric share. And even the lyric change, it's just, I mean, why didn't they just stick with Blur's Girls and Boys? Can, I can see oh, the video. It would have been iconic. It's just such a hugely missed opportunity. And it's quite telling that it was knocked off the number one spot the following week by another comic relief single. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was going to say, a great time for the kids, but not really with that music. Do you think if they'd done girl, uh, boys... Is it boys and girls or girls and boys? Boys and girls. Do you think if they'd done boys and girls, they would have gotten a boy band? Or do you think it still would have been the Sugar Babes? I think it would have still... They, they still would have done it as the two of them. Yeah. I reckon it would have been brilliant. Because that was... It was... The plan was for them to do comic relief, and those two were the original ideas. Because Nicola wanted most to do You Got the Love... But it seems like I think Girls Aloud wanted to do those two the most. I think we can blame <laughs> for this. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Walk This Way peaked at number one in both the UK and Scotland, number eight on the European Hot 100 singles chart, and number 14 in Ireland. And that, my friends, is a wrap on the sound of Girls Aloud and Walk This Way. I would like to thank you, Ed, my special guest this month. It has been such a treat. And I've got to say an extra big thank you to you as well, because unbeknownst to everybody listening at home, this is literally the second time we're doing this because <laughs> last night when we were recording the program that I have been using, Zencaster, I'm calling you out by name, didn't record Ed's side of the chat, but recorded all of mine. So we had to do it all over again tonight. So I can't thank you enough for being such a good sport and agreeing to do it again. It, you've been oh, amazing. Oh, it's my guest. pleasure. Look, we had so much fun both times. And, you know, <laughs> I'm happy to talk about Girls Aloud until the cows come home and to see your face as well and hear your voice. Ditto twofold, Cal. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Can you uh, please tell the lovely people listening at home where they can find you on the internets? Uh, yeah, sure thing. You can find me at Pit Worldwide on Twitter. Um, that is P-I-T-T Worldwide. Don't ask. I chose it about 12 years ago and it's stuck. Um, oh, yeah, no, it's follow me for more ramblings. I'm the biggest Pitbull fan. You have no idea. <laughs> I love that man so much. I will defend oh, I think him he's until I go bloody sexy. Oh my god, yes he is. Uh, <laughs> this is now a pitbull podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And as for the podcast, you can find a loud podcast at Allowed Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, it's Adam Eve, A-D-E-M-E-V-E. And on Instagram, it's A-D-E-M dot E-V-E, because some other bastard has Adam Eve. But 
You can also find me on my Mixcloud radio show three times a month at The Record Doctor on both Twitter and Instagram and also www.therecorddoctor.com. You can also head to therecorddoctor.com to buy some podcast merchandise. There's heaps of great girls allowed podcast merch for sale there. And you can also catch me on This Is Disco with the wonderful Eliza Day. That is our Danny and Kylie Minogue commentary podcast. And... uh, I've got to say, the next episode that we've got coming out is going to blow minds. But until next month, I will be returning at the end of September for the next episode. Again, for more information, keep it locked to the website, www.therecorddoctor.com, and of course, all of the social media. Oh, and also, I should mention as well, as part of my radio show, The Record Doctor on Mixcloud, once a month, I have a new show on the channel called The Balkan Top 50 that I have a co-host for, my wonderful co-host, the gorgeous Natalie from Sydney. So we count down the 50 best songs from the Balkans each and every single month. And the next episode of that on The Record Doctor is September the 8th. And then on September the 15th, I will be counting down my Madonna Finally Enough Love Top 50 remixes from number 50 to number one. More info again at the website and on the Mixcloud page. But until next month, thank you again, Ed. It's been an absolute pleasure. That's pleasure's always mine. Nice to see your face. Oh, likewise. Same to you. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And by all means, stream Singapore. If you can, if it's available in your country. <laughs> if you can stream it, stream it, please. Oh, thanks a lot, folks. And I'll see you next month. Bye. You Can't Mistake Their Anthology is a monthly pop podcast written, edited, and produced by Adam Eve for The Record Doctor.